This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 31st. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher. Busy show ahead. Urban Meyer finally saying it. Trevor Lawrence. Wild trades in the top 10 of the draft behind the Jaguars. What now since Tyson Alualu decided to go back to Pittsburgh? We'll dissect some prospects at a couple positions and get some social media questions as well. Bucky Brooks, John Ozier with us now. We are in, uh, as always, three different places today. We are in three really different places as we record this <laughs> podcast. I'm at home. John is away. Bucky is somewhere else. We've got a lot going on today, Bucky. Yeah, we do have a lot going on. I thought, look, I thought this would be fun, JB. I thought we would have a different experience with us being, you know, not not together. One day we'll be able to tape the podcast together, but I thought I'd take you for a little ride. A little ride on the four or five where we talk about the five. Well, don't look at the camera. Just keep your eyes focused on the road, <laughs> Bucky, please. Goodness <laughs> sakes. I don't know what California law is, John, but I feel like we're right on the borderline. You know where we'll do the next podcast, JB? <laughs> evidently wherever Bucky wants us to do the next podcast. All right. Because it's his well, podcast. We're just living in it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe there's a yacht somewhere out there off of Jacksonville that maybe we can venture in and we can kind of do some different things. We can do some I got new you. stuff. Like, hey, Bucky. That would be something. Yeah. Bucky, if you could pull that, that string for that, us, we'll do it. Isn't that how coach Meyer kind of came on board a little conversation on the yacht? Conversation on the yacht. Get to duck. It, it never hurts. It never hurts. I'll say that. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars and some comments. Let's start with the news of this week in the NFL. The annual meeting held virtually one of them. There will be others coming up in the off season, but the owner is voting Tuesday to add a 17th regular season game, three preseason games. They'll match the division from the other conference, uh, the same place team in the finish in the standings the year before. So the Jaguars add the Atlanta Falcons at TIAA Bank Field this year as the 17th game. Not in order. They'll figure out the schedule a little later. There's also an international rotation starting in 2022. And if the Jaguars have a separate agreement, it would be on top of the four games the league will put on in international markets. And here we go, Bucky, 17 and three. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm okay with that. Um, I think we have a definite divide between winners and losers. That's always fun. Uh, either you have a winning record or you have a losing record. So we'll get a chance to see that. Uh, it changes some of the dynamics a little bit when we think about the team building process in terms of your depth and what is needed. And for the young guys, three preseason games, man, you better hit the ground running or you won't be on the final roster. Yeah, uh, you know how I feel, JP. I don't like it. I, but <laughs> what? I also wish they were still playing 12 games. No, I think 17 is <laughs> too many. I was fine with 14 when I was growing up. I'm kidding. I think 16 is the right number. Uh, 17, okay, fine, they're doing it. But I'm with Bucky. I, I – I guess I'm just old school and I've talked to too many personnel people over the years. I think four preseason games, as much as I don't like covering them and make no mistake as a fan, I understand people don't like them as an observer. I hate covering them, but for players making rosters, I do believe there is merit to having four preseason games and get off my lawn. Yeah. It's a throwback buck uh, from John there. I think the, the ultimate throwback, it, it changes things. A little bit because now, well, actually, 
Like, John, I think actually we'll see a better product, though, because instead of the first game being one where the starters play maybe a series, they now may have to play a quarter and a half to get some of the rhythm. The second game will become like the third game where we'll see the starters play after halftime. And then the third game will be the game where all the young guys play the majority of the game. And so it changes it a little bit. But I think the ent- the interest should be better because that third game is going to be fast and furious with all the young guys really competing for spots. Oh, no doubt. Now, what I wonder, and I don't think they've said yet, is this going to shorten training camp? Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, because if it shortens training camp, I'm all for it, JP. Sure. If you can get to a situation where I'm standing on that practice field for about an hour and a half every August total, <laughs> then I'm fine with it. So if we get that, then I'm game. And I'll be honest, one thing I haven't read, they're talking about the 17th game being you play the opposing team from the conference that finished uh, corresponding with you, or is it the corresponding team from a division? It's the corresponding team from the other conference, I guess. Yeah, I think they ought to go the way I just said it. I think they ought to go with, one through 16 in each conference, if you had the 16th best record in your conference, play the 16th team in your conference. It just rotated like that every year. That way, the best team, the team with the home playoff game, meaning the top seed in the first conference, plays the top seed in the other conference. That's the way they ought to do it. I said it. And again, stay off my lawn, Buck. <laughs> Man, someone is coming in feisty. Like <laughs> like late, 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 late night Osher is, is, is a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, no, you get me. You think I'm a different guy late night? Get JP late night at Beats one night, and then you see a different guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We oh, can do yeah. some late night podcasts, Bucky. <laughs> we we could have some fun, actually, if we want to make this a theme moving ahead here. One other part of this thing we mentioned it, the international rotation. So Chris Halpin is in charge of the international games for the NFL. He spoke on Tuesday and mentioned Germany as a possibility for a game. Of course, the, the NFL has a stake in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. There is no Jaguars agreement currently with Wembley Stadium. These all would start in 2022, by the way. It would not start in 2021, the rotation of games. So, you know, four international games, Mexico, maybe Germany, a couple in London. Here we go, Bucky. They're, they're starting to, it feels like, expand that international series. Yeah, they are expanding that international series. I think the series is fun. If you've been overseas, rabid NFL fans, even though sometimes they don't, necessarily know everything that's going on with the game because it's drastically different than their version of football. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of intrigue. And as we're getting more games overseas, we're also seeing more international players coming to the league. So I do believe this is a win-win for the National Football League and the teams. Yeah, so John, the um, the, the question will be, we'll, we'll, there's actually a question coming up a little later on social media where we'll delve in to this year and the possibility of the International Series, but that was one addition in the announcement on Tuesday. Let's move along on the Huddle Up podcast, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, Bucky Brooks, and Urban Meyer speaking with Peter King this week. We've all heard the comments. We've seen the video, most likely. We've certainly read the article from Peter King on Pro Football Talk. Well, he finally said it, almost said it all the way. He said, we're going in that direction. Trevor Lawrence sounds like he's going to be the guy. So, you know, it's something that's not really a big surprise because we kind of saw this coming, John. But uh, it's about that time. It's a month away from the draft when Urban Meyer had something to say and he had a forum to say it, John. To drop a name here, uh, Peter King will be the guest on the Ozone podcast this week, which I believe I believe we'll post uh, later today, JP. You know, okay. And uh, by today, I mean Wednesday morning. 
I think we'll probably have that ready to go. And talking to Peter about it, I've known Peter for 25 years, and he's an honest guy. There was no plan to announce this on the Peter King podcast. Peter asked the question, and I believe that he asked it at a time where Urban was ready to say, oh, yeah, we're taking you know, and or sort of, yeah, we're taking him. And kind of couching it as little as possible and saying that it looks like this is going to be the guy. And as you said, JP, this is about the time where they come out of the bunkers. They've done their research. They've done their due diligence. Not that they weren't leaning strongly that way anyway, but this is about the time where they're like, okay, yeah, we get it. We're taking him number one. We're not looking for a trade. It's probably about the time to say it. Um, I wasn't surprised by it. As Peter said on the podcast, look, you sort of knew they were going that direction anyway. It's not really that huge a news, except that it's the first time they said it. So I guess, Bucky, what I would ask you, this is about the time that you're done with that level of work, right? And now you're getting to the point where you're resetting the board, but the due diligence has been done, right? Yeah, most of the due diligence should have already been done. Like I, with, with, with Trevor in particular, you knew that he was going to be the guy after the pro day. I think most of the things were done when it came to the background. And so you feel good about who he is and how he's going to represent the franchise, not only as a player, but as uh, the face of the franchise. And so now for some of the other guys, yes, you're beginning to work through the board and put the final touches. But for the marquee guys, the number one overall pick, yes, that work is done. And it really allows the Jaguars to focus their efforts elsewhere on making sure they get the rest of the first round and the other picks in the other rounds right. So uh, Trevor Lawrence it's going to be, and uh, I know, Bucky, you guys at NFL Media have are working pre-draft. Obviously, the draft is the big weekend for all of us. Our coverage on Jaguars.com, it's really our big off-season focus. But I know you personally, you're building up to the NFL draft and the coverage on NFL Media. What do we expect? It's the number one overall pick. So th- there are some big storylines around Trevor, I'm sure, that you guys are working on. Yeah, so we're working on a, a thing on Move the Sticks called the 360 Series where um, we're taking a look at Trevor but Trevor from every angle. So we're not only interviewing his teammates and coaches and those who have been around him, but we're going back and talking to some people that have known him since high school that have watched him grow up, talking to his parents. So we get a, a full picture on who he is and why he's become the franchise player that he is going to become. And so it's really fascinating. I think the thing that I would get out of it, JP, in talking to everybody He's as good as it gets. Like what we've heard, everybody rubber stamps Trevor Lawrence as like a great kid, a guy who is ready for everything that is coming his way. And you walk away from these interviews feeling confident that he's not only going to be a great player down in Jacksonville, but he's going to make us proud with all the other things that he's going to do as the ultimate leader of the team. Yeah, JP, um, as Bucky's saying that, I guess what I take away from that it's not that Trevor is that because everything you hear is that he is, but how hard it is to find anybody who is that even beyond the quarterback stuff. And what I'm getting at there is I've been around quarterbacks and I'll say when I, the first time I met Blaine Gabbert, I believed that he wanted to be really, really good, but I never quite got the vibe that he fully understood what it was going to take to be great. That's not trying to knock Blaine I'm just trying to give some perspective here. Always sort of out of 100 things you need, maybe only had 97 or 98. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Blake the same way. I wondered, maybe a smidge. I love Blake, like Blaine. But 
not quite the complete package. And I covered the complete package for 10 years in Indy. Everything you hear about Trevor is, boy, that package is complete. You know, once Luck retired in Indy, you heard things about maybe 98 or 99, not quite having to live and be the game enough to come through the injuries that he did. You know, it, and I don't know that it's just what you hear. But boy, Bucky, everything about Trevor. I'm not saying 10 boxes checked. I'm saying 1,000 boxes checked where you go deep into this guy needs to be great and wants it that bad. And boy, is that rare to hear. And maybe I'm not phrasing it right, but I haven't heard the off-field stuff, the complete package stuff on the level of Trevor Lawrence, maybe since Peyton came out. Yeah, and I I think that's what you're looking for. So it's one thing, and we're not going to say that, hey, it's a lock that Trevor Lawrence is going to be this transcendent player, that he's going to be a Hall of Famer and those things. But if you're a coach and you're an organization, you want someone who's going to squeeze all the juice out to become that kind of player. And so you can live with someone who fails, but fails giving everything that they have. I believe when you talk to the people around Trevor that know Trevor, they say that he's that kind of guy. He is going to exhaust every option and opportunity to be a great player. And if he does that, they're going to be a bunch of players that come along with him. And so I just believe he is the right pick for the franchise where the franchise is at this point. Cartersville, Georgia is northwest of Atlanta. It's uh, you go past Marietta and past Kennesaw Mountain. The, uh, the great Civil War battle was there. And you go up a little bit further. And Cartersville is just to the west of I-75 there. You know, at Bucky, it sounds like you've been talking to people in town. Have you ever been to Cartersville, Georgia, Bucky? I can't say that I've ever made my way to Cartersville. Maybe one day I will happen to find myself there, but I haven't done that. But the little sampling that I've gotten from talking to people and Zooming with those that are in Cartersville, I would say that it's pretty small. I would say that it probably has those old school, traditional family values and all those things. Uh, And talking to Trevor's parents, um, he grew up in an environment that I think has really made him extraordinary in terms of as a role model and leader. I think over the last year or so, we've seen him grow into that role at Clemson, not only kind of leading the movement to get college football back, but the things that he did to support his teammates and some of the movements that were going on around the country with social justice and those things. And so I just believe that when he steps into Jacksonville, when he walks into the building, we're going to see a leader and a leader that really reminds you of the great leaders that have played the position. So yeah, I think some of that has been shaped from his time at Cartersville. John, it's interesting because he's even in high school, in the early days in high school, big time prospect, you know, for, for college uh, schools coming out and lived up to that hype, right? Gets to Clemson as a freshman. They win the national championship. He's, you know, uh, of course, last year, the ACC player of the year and the runner up for the Heisman Trophy. So lived up to that billing when he finally got to Clemson. Now he's got another <laughs> huge billing coming into the NFL. And Johnny's got to live up to this, too. I've always thought sometimes there are players who can. It's not a great thing once they get to the NFL that they have been the number one guy all throughout their lives. Uh, because sometimes it can push them the other way where there's a little bit of entitlement. With a quarterback, though, I think it's different because a quarterback, when they're the number one guy throughout their lives, 
And uh, Bucky may have more thoughts on this than I have because he's been around players uh, in locker rooms. And I've been around players, but not as a teammate. But when you're the number one guy as a quarterback your entire life, that means you've had to lead your entire life. It means you've had the pressure of being the guy and you've had to deal with it. And I think for those guys, I think it helps for quarterback. Most guys there, I think when you're the quarterback and you've had to have that target on your back the whole time, I think it can't do anything but help. I absolutely agree with you, John. I think you've been around elite quarterbacks in your past and you know what they what they feel like. You know kind of how they, they change. We call them thermostat leaders. They change the temperature of the room when they step in there. And some of that is because they've already they've always had this the weight of the world on their shoulders and they're very, very comfortable in that environment. I believe Urban Meyer, Coach Meyer thinks Trevor is the right guy to be the franchise quarterback because he's always had to live that existence, that he's always been the guy that's had the bullseye, the target on his back, and he's always come through. I think there's something about those guys who everyone expects them to be great and they live up to it. And so it's not only their performance, but it's how that performance or that perspective will inspire those around them to raise their own levels. I just think this is going to be a great marriage, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And I'm saying that knowing he may not be the player that we're talking about, but I firmly, I fully expect him to be the leader that we're talking about and what we're expecting him to be when he walks through those doors. Well, a couple of thoughts and we can move on. Yep. You know, I keep thinking with Trevor Lawrence, you know, the number one pick's a huge responsibility and a huge swing, right? It feels like they're hitting a batting practice pitch with it as opposed to a curve, meaning if you've got to take a swing like this, wouldn't you rather be swinging with this guy? He gives you a great – it's all percentages. It's all risk. But your risk mm-hmm. is so much lower with this guy than most guys you're swinging at. So you feel good about it. And I almost get the impression from Urban's comments this week, I've got some questions about due diligence. Have they done their due diligence? Why didn't they go to the other pro days? I get the idea from listening to him talk about Trevor Lawrence that they've done their due diligence. They keep peeling back the onion, and yet they keep liking what they find so much that they're thinking, why go anywhere else? It's not like they're peeling this one layer and going, ooh, I don't like the smell of that. So it's almost like they're not peeling an onion. They keep peeling like a rose, and they like the different you – know. so that's my impression, is that they keep liking what they see so much. It's like, look, we keep liking everything we find out. We are so lucky to have this pick this year that you almost can't believe that what you keep finding is this good. So anyway, that's my I, thought. We can keep I going did, on I and never, on. We'll keep doing it. I never expected John Osha to give us a, a bachelor reference in terms of passing out roses and who goes on and those things. Well, like, I'm not the bachelor we fan on this here, podcast, like, Bucky. Like, 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 like here we go. We're, we're now passing out roses because we're, we're, we're in love with everything that Trevor Lawrence represents. And so I'm for it. I Boy, Bucky couldn't wait I, I to do that Bachelor I'm, reference, could he? I'm, 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 I'm so excited to welcome you to pop culture. Wow, he, <laughs> he speaking, couldn't wait to go to Bachelor reference. Speaking of batting I mean, practice fastballs, that was one for Bucky right there. Wow. Tonight it's on so, the Romance Network, Bucky Brooks. It's so, it's so great as you talk about feeling, you feeling back the petals on the roses, and so here we are, Trevor Lawrence. All right. 
Yes, this is the Huddle Up podcast. You get more than just football here. J.P. Shadrick, John Ogier, and Bucky Brooks. You know, this is our first conversation since all hell broke loose last Friday in the National Football League with the trades. The 49ers moved from 12 to 3. The Dolphins moved down to 12 and then back up to six, five minutes later. First round draft picks are getting thrown around the league like they're nothing. And everybody's chasing quarterbacks, of course. So that happens. You know, it's it's great place to be not to have to worry about any of that, any of that stuff. Jaguars brass is kicked back watching the carnage unfold behind them in the rearview mirror. It makes me think, and maybe I'm off base here, Bucky, but maybe you can shoot me straight here. You know, everybody's chasing the quarterback this year. It happens most years. But what about the quarterbacks in next year's draft? It feels like to me that the class, at least right now, we haven't even had a full season, obviously, one more season to go. The class right now is not as uh, heralded, I would say, as the one this year. The names on the list, guys like Bo Nix and Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, no offense, he's a North Carolina guy, don't seem like the names that are available this year. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it is fair. I think people view this class as a very special class. That's why you see in the rush to get up top. You know, JP, when I think about the quarterback class, it is a special class. I believe there's four, then one. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. I believe those are the superstars of the class. Mac Jones is getting a lot of love. Uh, people are putting him in that category. I'm not in that group, but I think there are some that view him as a very special player. And then when you look at 2022, there's a lot of uncertainty. But as we know, when the draft draws near the 2022 class, we'll talk about those quarterbacks in the same light. But this year's class is really extraordinary in terms of the talent and also the football character that comes with these guys. I believe that most of these guys should have some success. Normally, you'll see two guys out of the draft class pop, one or two guys that be okay, and one guy's going to flop. And so it's trying to figure out which guy has the best chance to really reach the highest heights, I believe we'll see two of those guys reach that. Quarterbacks always move the needle, John. That's why every, everybody's making these drastic moves. I'll refer here to the podcast of Peter King again because he made a really interesting point that I had not, I guess, thought of as, as in-depth as Peter did, that what we're seeing, too, is a an unbelievable ratcheting up of the zeal for the quarterback position in the NFL, which is saying something because it's always been the most important position. You know, you're talking about teams now who make Super Bowls with quarterbacks such as Garoppolo and then turn around and give up their franchise for the position again. And we've never seen the dramatic moves at the position as we've seen the last two or three years. So it's not only the fact that there's an unbelievable quarterback class right now, it's that people are willing to give up so much more of the rest of their team to get that position right, that in a quarterback league, and it's been a quarterback league since I've covered it, 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 which is 95, long before that, it has never been more of a quarterback league than it is right now. And teams are absolutely desperate to fill the position. And the premise for me talking to Peter about it is, how fortunate are the Jaguars in this quarterback's crazy league where it's on steroids to have a situation where they don't have to make moves to get one. Who knows whether it's going to work out, but if it doesn't work out, they haven't mortgaged their future to do it. Well, there are teams right now that if these moves don't work out, not only don't they have the quarterback, but they don't have any draft capital either. This is insane what's going on right now compared to what's going on historically at this position. 
Oh, I love it, John. I love it because now <laughs> we're 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 playing fantasy football, and we also are no longer treating the quarterbacks like endangered species. Before, because the guy was the QB one, regardless of how good he was, and if you really believed that he could get you to the Super Bowl, he had like a ten year run at the position because he was the quarterback. And now what we're seeing, general managers are moving off quarterbacks that they don't believe are special. And I think there are a couple things that have happened that have led us to this point. One, the Pat Mahomes deal. I don't want to make Pat Mahomes out to be more than he is, but I think what has happened is people have been on the field and they've seen the special talent that Pat Mahomes is. And they're saying, if we're going to win a Super Bowl, we're going to have to knock that kind of talent off potentially in a shootout. The other thing, we are seeing guys that are coming out of the Shanahan tree. They're looking at Matt LaFleur, and they're looking at all the fun that he had with Aaron Rodgers and how Aaron Rodgers made those plays come to life. And they're looking at their own quarterbacks, and they're not happy that their guy can't make the play look like Aaron Rodgers has has been able to make it look for Matt LaFleur. So you have Sean McVay, who's a Shanahan disciple, that's looking at Jerry Goff, who took him to a Super Bowl and say, yeah, that's nice, but that's not good enough. I want more. You're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, who's in the Super Bowl winning in the fourth quarter, and he's saying, yeah, that's great. I call a perfect game. Now teams are like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get a special one, and I don't care what I give up to get him because if I find him, he changes everything within the franchise. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier. Season ticket renewals are underway and existing season ticket members, including those on pause last year. But you better lock in your seats now. Demand is sky high this season in 2021. April 9th, the renewal deadline before those who put down deposits this season get their opportunity to get those seats. And the Jaguars and the league as a whole, Roger Goodell said this week, looks to play in front of a full capacity crowd in 2021. Look for your renewal link in your email. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000. Also subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know the drill by now. Give us five stars and a comment. Uh, Bucky Brooks is on. was on the 405 in Los Angeles. Bucky, give us an idea of where you are now as we record this podcast. Some play-by-play, if you will, sir. Oh, okay, so I just jumped off the 405. I'm now on the 101, and I'm making my way home. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. Like, it was, it was very nice. Traffic wasn't as bad as it normally is. And so it's, it's been enjoyable being able to talk to my guys and drive. Like, it's, it's good. Glad we can help your commute, Bucky. Whatever we can do to help the ball club. <laughs> We will do just that for you here. Uh, Let's move along now, guys. Uh, We've already kind of discussed the change of heart for Tyson Alualu, of course. The story has been well told by now. He contracted COVID, apparently, and had to stay where he was and couldn't come for the physical and to sign the contract. Had a change of heart, went back to the Steelers. So the question now is, do, do the Jaguars have to go out and do something else to fill that spot, John, or are, are you comfortable waiting until the draft to fill whatever role that was going to be for Tyson? Well, I'm guessing that whether I'm comfortable or not, they will wait until the draft. They went back and they re-signed Gotsis, which makes sense for a, if it's not a placeholder, it's a guy that showed last year. He, he can play. Yeah. I don't know if he's pro bowler, Adam Gotsis, but he can play. He was productive. I think the thing to remember is the off season isn't over now and it won't be over after the draft. 
And you're going to see some moves, I would think, this year, maybe a couple of more than you would normally see. So, you know, because of uh, the salary cap around the June 1st date. So I don't know that this is over yet, but I also don't know that you necessarily want to reach and pay a guy over his value just because of what happened with Tyson. I think Tyson's a blow. I think that hurts because I I liked how he was going to fit in this. And I'm sure Joe Cullen really liked how he was going to fit. Joe had had him. So I'm not going to diminish what they lost there. But I don't know that you necessarily go out before the draft and overspend. See what happens in the draft and then see what happens the rest of the year in free agency. The offseason is not over yet. What do you think, Buck? Yeah, the offseason isn't over. One of the things that you lose, though, is a guy that you know. Uh, That was really a theme of the offseason when it came to the signings. Most of the coaches knew the guys that they were bringing into the position room. And so from a cultural standpoint, you felt like you had a group of guys that were coming in. They kind of always under, they already understood the expectations in terms of performance and culturally how we wanted things to go. And so it changes a little bit, but I think they will be able to find a veteran in the bargain basement bin right after the draft if they're unable to secure the services of a young guy during the draft. But what you don't want to do, JP. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they wanted Tyson. And I don't think anybody would tell you it'd be disingenuous to say they didn't because they went out and signed him. But don't compound that loss by going out and doing something silly just because you lost. Make sure that whatever you do fits value, fits what you you don't want to sign a guy, overpay a guy and uh, mess up your cap moving forward because this is still a process. You You know, so make a smart decision. Don't react based be, because you didn't get the record you want. Don't go out and buy a triple album that's not very good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> good point. Way to go. Uh, let's move along here on the Huddle Up podcast. JP Shadrick, John Osher, and Bucky that's a Brooks. vinyl reference, Buck, for you LA guy. You're probably driving by Capitol Records right now. So that's a vinyl reference for you. <laughs> I mean, I got it. I got it so much. I mean, so much that we're adding to the podcast. Like, this is, I mean, this is phenomenal, John. You're, you're on your game today. You're on the 101, Bucky. Are you? Is that near Burbank? Where are you right now? Okay, so you can take it one way to go towards Burbank. I am going away for that. Like I'm, I'm going the opposite way. Like the way that I'm going is past Encino and Woodland Hills and Calabasas, almost as if we're heading to the Rams for sale. Thank you for the geography lesson. We appreciate that yeah. in Los Angeles. Let's move along now. You know, we, we're going to introduce – we bring all these different segments in here, but this is where I think Bucky is really going to shine. Well, not that he hasn't oh, already. I hope so. Oh, I like this. Okay. Uh, you know, At some point. I Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Prospect comparison discussion, and I've picked two – from two different Ooh. position groups that are coming up in the draft this year, uh, running back and defensive backs, actually safeties, uh, you know, Ooh. running back. Yeah, there's that school of thought. You don't want to take one in the first round. If you ask Pete Prisco, hell no, you wouldn't do it in the first round, but uh, there's some big time names there. Of course, that could go early. Not that the Jaguars really need to do that, but there are big names there. Najee Harris of Alabama, Travis Etienne of Clemson, Bucky, where are you on each of these guys, and would you compare them for us? Oh, I like both of those guys. I like Najee Harris a little more than Etienne. Uh, Najee Harris, to me, is really a rare find because you just don't find big guys who can do what he does with the ball in his hands. Not only as an inside runner, but his ability to make plays in the passing game reminds me a lot of Matt Forte when Matt Forte was in his prime with the Chicago Bears. Travis Etienne reminds me a little bit of Jamal Charles. 
uh, when he was kind of racking up Pro Bowl honors with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has terrific speed and quickness. Uh, he's a one-cut runner, so you're not going to see a lot of wiggle, a lot of dance. But, man, when he puts his foot on the ground and spots a crease, he can take it the distance. He is not as natural a pass catcher as Najee, but he's effective in the passing game. And once again, if you can get him in the open field and let him go one-on-one with guys, he is going to put the ball in the paint. I go way back with Pete, JP, and I, I agree with him on the first half of the first round on a running back. I don't mind it late because a lot of times your late first round guy is a lot of times a second round guy in reality. First rounders are not all created equal. The 28th pick is not the fourth pick. So I don't mind running back. If you think it's impactful and special, and if you think you're getting five years of special out of a guy, then I'm fine with taking running back as long as it's not in the top half. Uh, But I'm curious about Bucky. You're a guy from North Carolina. A lot of people have him now with these top two guys. Same thing? Same guy? Oh, he's a – Javante Williams is a beast because there are two guys there. Javante Williams and Michael Carter. And Javante Williams is as aggressive as they come with the ball in his hands. He's a high school linebacker who's also a valedictorian. So he is smart. He's tough. He's physical. Not the fastest. But, man, when he gets it, he punishes guys. In a way, when I look at him, he's not quite Frank Gore, but he has that ability to play like that at the next level, meaning he's rugged, he's durable. He can put up those triple digits as a rusher, but he also catches the ball well out of the backfield. When you go all the way back, it's hard to envision Frank Gore now because he's, I mean, 17 years in the league. But the guy that was four or five years in the league, that Frank Gore, yeah, Javante Williams has some of that in his game. He loves the Tar Heels. Loves the Tar Heel guys. Always loves the Tar Heel guys. It's uh, it's Bucky Brooks for you. Right, let's move along now to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. To safeties, you know, and that's a position, Bucky. Where in your last mock draft, I think 2.0, you have the Jaguars at 25 taking Trayvon Morig of TCU. So I'm going to co- get you to compare him with a guy who his name's starting to pop up a lot now. Richie Grant, Central Florida. What do you know about those guys? Two really good players. Merrick is, is is a guy, like coming out of TCU, the way they play him, he plays a lot of man coverage over slot defenders. He has great man-to-man cover skills for a guy that is a safety. Uh, he plays it almost like a corner. But he also has the ability to play tough and physical. Uh, he can get around the line of scrimmage and make a lot of plays. You know, it's really, really hard to find a, a, a true comparison. I would say maybe uh, Kevin Byard who's kind of in our division uh, at Tennessee, who made a lot of plays on the ball. He has some of that in his game. Doesn't have as many interceptions, but he certainly is impactful in the passing game. Richie Grant is another one of those guys. Not as big, but active, really flies around and and makes a lot of things happen at that position. Um, Not quite the banger that I would say Mary is in terms of a tackler, but instincts, awareness, ball skills, you like that? You know, in a way, I would kind of put him in that Eric Weddle category. Not quite the ball hawk, but Eric Weddle had the ability to do a lot of things. And you just kind of look up and the ball finds him. I think Richie Grant has a little bit of that to his game. I have a question for the scout, JP. Okay. I've asked you this on the offensive side of the ball about tight end for Bucky. It strikes me. Is safety, meaning really, really good safety, 
uh, guy that matters. Is it just, are we asking too much of this position now? Is it too hard to play to find a truly great player at safety? Or have I just not covered great players at safety since Bob Sanders back in the day? Um, because I think it just seems really hard to find, and you're asking so much to have a guy who can who can slam the run and cover backs and do the covers responsibilities. I'm not sure there's that many on the planet who can do it. There are not that many on the planet. Uh, you're right. Uh, it's a very, very difficult position to find guys who can, can get it done because you're asking them, depending on the scheme that you play, you're asking them to cover like corners. You want them to come in the box and hit like linebackers. You want them to have a high IQ so they can line up the defense almost like the Mike linebacker. Hard to find guys that can do it. I think what we're seeing, the league is evolving to where you have specialists and you build the defense around the special qualities that the safety has. So, for instance, Jamal Adams in Seattle now. Uh, not necessarily a great cover guy, but he is so disruptive around the line of scrimmage. So what they do is they use him like a, a, a quasi-linebacker who is also a pass rusher. We saw him have seven or eight sacks off the edge. There are other guys that are kind of like the ornament on the top of the Christmas tree uh, that are center field players that can prevent the balls from flying over the top of the defense, and they make their plays that way. You don't want those guys to be active in the line of scrimmage, but if you're a team that's trying to play a lot of cover three and keep the ball in front of the defense, those guys are necessary. And so a lot of the job description is about how you play and can you clearly identify what it is that you need for your scheme to thrive. There you have it. A couple of comparisons of the running backs and safeties. Some notable names coming up in the NFL draft. Let's get a couple of social media questions in. And let's start off today with at Evanoff Joel. Do you see Josh Allen as a true left end or will he improve by playing in the outside linebacker role? Hmm. That's the big question, right? What will the Jags play? Everybody has it three, four, four, three, this and that. They're going to do everything. We've already said that. Where could could Josh Allen really thrive standing up, Bucky? He can stand up, but a lot of it depends on Josh Allen. I think the first thing that you do when you're calling is you go to Josh Allen, you ask him, what do you feel like is your best stance when it comes to rushing the passer? Some guys like being in an upright stance, two-point stance. Other guys like having their hand in the dirt so they can get off as, as a sprinter um, and a track meet. I think for Josh Allen, what we know is 70% of the time, the Jaguars will be in some form of a nickel package where they'll have a four-down line, they'll get after the quarterback, and he is going to be in one of those spots. The trick will be, is he a guy that only plays one, or is he versatile enough to do multiple things at the line of scrimmage to take advantage of mismatches? I think he's a special player as a pass rusher. You want to give him his best chance to be successful. So I think a lot of it is a cooperation between what you want to do scheme-wise and what he does at his best. Yeah, JP, I think he can do both. There's been a lot of theories that, oh, he can't do it without Calais on the other side because he did that as a rookie. I've heard theories, well, he – He'll be better in a 3-4. Look, he didn't. He wasn't as productive as he wanted him to be last year. I think for him, last year was a lost year. I think for the whole team, it just sort of got out of whack uh, quickly. I think Josh Allen is going to be special in this league, whether he has his hand on the ground or not. My guess is he will have his hand off the ground more now, so it will be credited to a 3-4. But I think he is special, elite, and that once things get going right, he's going to be a huge part of that. So to me. Put him wherever, he'll be fine. I think he's going to be Von Miller type good. I still believe that out Ooh. of him. So, yeah. you know, so we'll see. And I guess what I mean by that, 
don't know if he's Vaughn Miller level, but I think he can be as important to this defense as a Vaughn Miller was to Denver in terms of being a guy you can build around. So, yeah, I will say it. He's Vaughn Miller. <laughs> he just said it. I, mean, I heard it. I mean, I mean, man, you doubled, doubled it. I, I, I don't disagree because the Vaughn Miller that we're talking about was a guy that for John Fox in Denver, he played in the 3-4. He was that edge player. Uh, he did play left defensive end and took advantage of right tackles. That is the move potentially for Josh Allen. A lot of times in, in yesteryear, teams would put their best pass rusher at right defensive end against the left tackle, the quarterback's blind side. Well, now we're seeing more guys put it on the front side so the quarterback can see and feel the pressure right in front of his face. Most of the time when you have a guy at left defensive end, he's going against an inferior pass protector at right tackle. Maybe they can find a way to do that to jumpstart Josh Allen as a 10 to 12 sack guy per season. Our next question from at Danton Thomas, and this is a long one. I'm going to really kind of cut this one down a little bit. As we get closer to the draft, who do you draft at 25, 33, and 45, and what and in what order? So he's got he's got two guys per position here. So we're just going to go position, tight end, wide receiver, edge rusher, safety, or is there a position group that he left out? Just quickly, you know, John, what do you think? Is there an order or whatever is available for you? They worked hard to set themselves up for that. I mean, if it's me, I'm more and more like the idea of safety at 25. I think I'm getting the question right. Mm -hmm. Safety at 25 and biggest impact skill guy at 33. And I know I'm not mentioning tight end there, but safety to me feels like you can get it fixed there with more. I like the idea of that guy. And then maybe skill position next, but – I don't know what they're going to do with that spot. You know, at some point, there's a couple of things you got to get fixed. Draft the best available down there to me. Bucky, when's the seven-round mock coming? Oh, that's not coming. That's way too much. <laughs> way too much work trying to predict who's going to take it. And those are all right. ridiculous that's, anyway, seven-round yeah, like, 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 I mean, it's a, good, it's a good opportunity to get some names out, but oh, no, no, no. Somebody else needs to do that heavy lifting. Who are the Jaguars <laughs> taking in the fifth round, John? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, John, I do like your theory, though. Like, uh, safety at 25, coming back, get a playmaker uh, in the second round, maybe the best pass catcher that you can find, um, tight end preferably, uh, someone that can do it a little differently. It would be nice to be able to create mismatches on the perimeter, but I would be good with a Pat Fairmouth or a guy like Hunter Long from Boston College that can catch it. If you go in those later rounds, like in the third round, and those things, you're dealing with a different, dealing with a different type. Let's get one final question in, and you know, there's a lot of news on Tuesday about the international series game starting in 2022 and beyond, and the entire league will have to rotate through games internationally at that time. But the question here is from at PS Duffy: No word on international games in 2021? Question mark. I guess that makes it a question. Well, as of right now, no. Right. Um, <laughs> so there's not anything for 2021 yet. The schedule uh, sounds like it's going to be out early May. So you would think that a week or two, maybe prior to that, you might hear something substantial about that, it, it, whether it's announced publicly or not. Teams that would be involved have to start getting preparations ready for 2021. From the Jags perspective, they do not have a deal in place with Wembley Stadium. 
but that's still so early. We don't know anything yet. And that's even if they have games, that's the other part they haven't decided with COVID and everything going on, what's that going to look like? So it may not even really happen this year. That's still up in the air as well. You know, when we say it like this, everybody's going to say, well, why don't you just answer the question? Well, sometimes, <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes the question can't get answered yet because you don't know the facts. And this is absolutely one of those. I don't think there's any question. Uh, Jerry's have made it known for years. They like the idea of playing a game in London. I think it's, it's their preference. They want to play one there for a lot of different reasons. But because of COVID, we don't know how that's going to play out logistically yet. We don't know if they're going to be allowed to. We don't know all the London things. So I think all the Jaguars people would say, hey, we would love to know the answer to this question. We don't know it yet. Think back to COVID last year when it first started. There are all kinds of questions people don't know the answers to yet. I think this is still one that you don't know the answer to yet. Yeah, but maybe uh, maybe soon we'll find out one way or another. Bucky, you have been commuting this entire podcast. We've come to a conclusion here on the pod. How far are you from a conclusion of your commute? Well, JP, I am going to uh, my high school football practice. So <laughs> I am maybe five minutes away from stepping into Granada Hills Charter High School. And so... I've, I've made it. I, I've made I it thought all. maybe you guys JP is that Bucky had just, <laughs> he's driving so long. I thought maybe he had just decided to leave it all behind. He, <laughs> he had gotten, he had gotten in his car after an interview and just said, you know what? I'm heading East. I'm going to drive <laughs> until I arrive somewhere. I thought maybe we were seeing the beginning of a new life. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to leave it all behind. I'm just, I'm just going to drive. Up one bag. Yeah. Pack it up one bag and make it happen. But yeah. JP, that's the um, I mean, actually, this was light. This is the one hour commute. Wow. I felt like I used to make that. I felt like I used to make that commute when I was playing in Jacksonville, though. Like, I felt like when I was coming from there, you got to get to the bridge to get to the stadium and all There's those things. One hour commutes in Jacksonville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't hit the timing right, it, t- it took me back to my day. Natron and I try to commute. So, what happens when you live beachfront in Jacksonville? It takes a long time to get downtown. I mean, it really, you know. Gosh, I wish I wish I was smart enough to know to live down there at Jack's Beach and all those other beaches down that way. Like, if I could turn back the clock, I probably would have done that and put my toes in the sand a couple times a week to make sure I was relaxed when Coach Carlton was yelling at everybody, you know? Yeah, right. DJP, that's the difference right there. <laughs> Bucky thinks that beachfront means owning a house. You and I both know it's, it's owning a sleeping bag and sleeping under the dock uh-huh. for us. But, yeah. but for players, it's a different world. Always has been. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll do it for the Huddle Up podcast. Uh, pro Day season continues, Bucky. I'm sure you've got a lot coming up this week. It's been a, it's been a, a, a crazy time, but it's coming to a conclusion. This is the fun part, JP, because now, like with all the Pro Days wrapping up, we now just get to talk about it for another month before you know it, man, the draft will be here. Here it is. Uh, John, you got Peter King on your podcast. Yeah, Peter King, looking forward to it. And I should have some more Ozone podcasts in the coming weeks, uh, hoping to catch up with some coaches, hoping to get to know the coaching staff a little better and some material the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that as well. Well, Bucky, enjoy your number retirement ceremony at your high school. And uh, John, <laughs> we, will, we will talk to you a little bit later today. That's John Osier, Bucky Brooks. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get. Download your podcast. Give us five stars and a comment. We will catch you next week on the Huddle Up Podcast.